Well, friends, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Today we're going to consider, consider the passage that historically we have called, the church has called, the Lord's Prayer. From Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to verse 13. And it's going to serve to us as an example, as a template, for how we can learn to pray genuine prayers. By God's grace in this past year, I've grown a lot in prayer. But I went through lots of seasons of prayerlessness. And reflecting on my own growth and the growth I still desire, I've wondered, why don't we pray? Why do we neglect prayer? And I found from my own experience that I feel that we fail to value prayer in the same way that God values prayer. How does God value prayer? In Isaiah 56, the Lord calls the temple his house of prayer. The temple was the place in the Old Covenant where the very presence of God dwelt on earth. And it was the place where the people of God came to meet with the presence of God. Lots of things happened at the temple. Sacrifices were made. The law was taught. Songs were sung. But the thing that the God of heaven said should characterize the place where his presence dwelt is prayer. Does that characterize our church? In Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, the apostle John sees a vision into heaven and he metaphorically sees um, the prayers of God, or the prayers of the saints presented to God as incense held in golden bowls. Incense is a fragrant aroma. Golden bowls are a treasured vessel. God sees the prayers that we pray as a pleasing aroma to him, as so valuable that they deserve to be held in golden bowls. In this passage that we're considering today, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches his people to pray genuine prayers because he knows that God values them so much that when we pray genuine prayers, we are rewarded by God. Do we value prayer the same way that God values prayer? God rewards genuine prayer. And when we see the way he values it and see the reward that's in it, I believe we'll be more devoted to it. Are you? Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13 is a template for prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. The Lord's Prayer today is going to show us seven elements of genuine prayer. Seven elements of genuine prayer and the rewards we will receive when we practice them in our daily lives. So as we do to honor the Lord, would you stand with me together as we read the scripture together? And normally I myself pray it out loud, but I'd invite us all to lift our voices and pray this passage together today. Matthew 6 Verse 9 to 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lift your hearts together with me as we pray. Father in heaven, I'm so glad that in Jesus' name we have access to your very throne to speak to you. God, help us to value prayer in the way that you value it. And be devoted to it. To find the reward in it. Like we are devoted to our careers to get the compensation we gain from it. But oh Lord, the treasure of prayer is way better than any paycheck. Give us faith to see that. And then discipline to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Seven elements of genuine prayer and the reward we'll find from it. That's what the Lord's Prayer is going to teach us today. The first element is an attitude. Jesus teaches that we should approach God in prayer with an attitude of humility and trust. Our Father in heaven. We should approach God with humility because he is the glorious God of heaven. We should approach him in trust because he is our caring and tender father of all who believe in Jesus. This contrast is important of the God in heaven and the father who loves us. It reminds us that God is exalted high above us and that he has power and wisdom to know what we need. And the fact that he's father is important. He's not just exalted high, he's near. And he cares about us enough to provide everything we need. Without even asking a thing, without even saying a word, this attitude allows us to draw near to God and receive a reward from him. What's the reward of praying with this attitude? More love. Without saying a thing, without asking for a thing, just having a still heart and acknowledging who God is and who we are will allow the Holy Spirit to comfort you with the love of the Father that he has proven to you through giving his own son, Jesus Christ. Then the next six elements are the things that we should pray, the template for our prayer. And these six elements can really divide it into two parts. The first part are three ways that we can offer worship to God. The next three are three things that we can ask for God to gain his help in our daily lives. So Jesus then, in worship, teaches us to pray for the Father's name to be honored. Prayer starts with worship. Prayer starts with honoring God's name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Praying this way means praising God for his attributes, who he is, what he stands for. And it means aspiring to be holy as God is holy so that our lives and our conduct would bring honor to God's name in the sight of others rather than bringing shame to his name. If you're super into Shakespearean English, you'd probably use the word hallowed in your prayers regularly. I am not. The, the more common way of saying hallowed is um, honored. God's name is set apart. God's name is holy. God's name should be respected. 
God's name represents all that he is and all that he stands for. And there is a reward in honoring, for us in honoring God's name. The reward for honoring God's name in prayer is that we receive more joy. It's pretty clear that God gets a reward in when we honor him and that his name is exalted and revered. But why do we receive the reward of more joy when we honor him? The same reason you find joy in cheering for athletes that represent our country. I don't watch hockey a lot anymore, but I love watching the World Junior Championships around this time of year. And I love seeing Canada's junior hockey team blow out other countries like they did yesterday. 5-0 win, let's make it 10-0 in the gold medal game, right? I love, I love cheering for other, because when in their victory, I get joy. But I'm never going to play in that tournament. I'm never going to play a sport that represents my country. But I love cheering for other people because in their victory, when they're on the podium, they're honored. I'll never be on a podium. When they get a medal, they're honored. I'll never get a medal. But when their anthem plays, my anthem plays. And when their flag is raised, my flag is raised. So in their honor, I'm honored. And similarly, so I receive joy in their victory because we share a common identity. Christian, do you know that your life is inseparably connected to the name of God. Christian, you are saved in the name of God. You are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit. So praise his name every day. Your greatest joy will be found in increasing honor for the name of God in your daily life. The more you honor his name, the more joy you'll have. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Next, Jesus teaches us to pray for the Father's kingdom to expand. God's kingdom is the realm of his authority that governs the way his people should live. So when we pray this way, we're asking that God would call more people into his kingdom, more people to live under his authority, more people to believe in Jesus and follow the way of Jesus. See, today the realm of God's authority exists invisibly. God rules over the hearts of every individual person who believes in him. There will be a day, though, that God's kingdom isn't invisible. It will be visible. Where the throne of God will be here on earth and Jesus will reign over the entire world. But we're not there yet. So we should be praying that God's kingdom expands over more hearts now. But it's not just for others. This prayer is also for us. Because living under the authority of an invisible kingdom, while living in a visible world that doesn't acknowledge his authority, can mean we get distracted from following God's way. It's easy to get distracted and lose sight of God's kingdom. It's easy to despair and worry about the world around us. But when we look up and we seek his kingdom, as Jesus taught us to pray, we'll receive the reward of more hope. It looks like this world keeps just going down, but prayer invites us to look up. It's easy to distract it. It's easy to to despair, But look up every day in prayer. 
Because the true king rules, even though we can't be seen, and the true king is coming, so all will see. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The third way of praising God in worshipful prayer is to pray that God's will would be established. Praying this way means asking for God's absolute Uh, God's will to be absolutely established in our world and in each of our lifestyles by willingly submitting to him in everything. In heaven, there's no limiting factor, no roadblock to God's will getting done. And our desire should be to see that amount of submission in our lives here on earth. This type of prayer, praying for God's will to be done, kind of sounds similar to the previous prayer, God's kingdom come. What's the difference between these two prayers? What's the difference between the kingdom of God and the will of God? It's kind of like this. If I invited you over to my home, I would, uh, and we had a meal together, I'd like playing background music, and I generally like playing jazz. It's low-key, it's down-tempo, and there's no words, so it can play quietly in the background. But if you asked me, like, hey, can we play some country music, you would get a firm no. <laughs> and you might be upset about that, and I might, I'd probably tell you, my house, my rules. You can listen to whatever twangy, like, driving over a rat music you want in your house, following you, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be belittling. But in my house, that's the realm of my authority. In my rules, that's my will. That, that's, that's kind of like the dynamic of God's kingdom and God's will. God's kingdom is the realm of his authority. God's will is his rules that actually guide the way we live under his authority. And God's will is revealed in God's word. When we follow the scriptures that guide our lifestyle, we follow God's will. But what that means is if we're going to follow God's will, we need to give up our own. We need to submit on earth as it is in heaven. But the reward of praying this way and submitting to God's will is that we receive more wisdom. God's will is way more valuable than our will. And wisdom guides us to live successful lives in Christ that give glory to him and are for my good. But submission is hard. The struggle of submitting in prayer to God honestly feels like you're wrestling with God. Have you had that experience in your own prayer life? That there's no, there's something that you're supposed to do, but you're wrestling against God and you don't want to. I've experienced this in my own prayer life. And sometimes, not frequently, on rare occasions, the wrestling with God in prayer is more like a boxing match where God feels like the best thing for me is just to knock Jason out. Tap him out immediately and get him under my will. Sometimes that happens, but more frequently, submitting to God's will is more like a wrestling match where God isn't trying to tap me out. He's not trying to knock me out. He's not trying to pin me down and end it. 
he wants me to exhaust myself in my own will. He knows I'm going to fight back, but he wants me to exhaust myself to where I just recognize my wisdom and my way and my will isn't working and I'm exhausted. And he wants me to just throw in the towel. Wrestling with God in prayer is good. Because when you throw in the towel, your sparring partner becomes your coach who stands in your corner and strengthens you with his proven game plan so that you can fight the good fight and win. Are you struggling with God in prayer? Are you submitting to God or are you trying to fight back? You're going to exhaust yourself. Or he may even lovingly knock you out. Life itself is a struggle, but prayer is our chance to seek help from God. Yet, so frequently, we, we neglect this gift of prayer. Many of us, I, fe- I think, don't pray proactively. We only pray, if we pray at all, reactively. Like someone who chooses to skip their dentist's regular checkups and only goes to the dentist's when they're unbearable pain. You might have avoided that if you went to the regular checkups. Jesus prays a, tells us to pray not only that we can pray with worship to God, but also that we can also, in prayer, ask for his help every day, proactively. And the next three elements of the Lord's Prayer teach us how we can actively ask for God's help. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus teaches us to pray for our essentials to be given to us by God. Every good thing comes from God, even our most basic essentials. The beating of your heart is evidence of God's grace in your life. The breath in your lungs is evidence of God's grace in your life. The fact that you have any calories in your stomach, not just the T-bone steak from the keg, not just the Instagrammable bubble tea that you like once a week, we need to depend on God for the most basics. But some of us might think, like, well, the fridge is stocked, so I think I can move on to the next prayer. Even if the fridge is full, We need to pray this prayer every day. Praying this prayer every day means that we recognize we depend on God for our most essential needs. And it changes our heart. It transforms our heart so that we learn to live with moderation, compassion, hard work, and find the reward of this prayer more contentment. Give us this day our daily bread. Moderation. Would you be happy if you had no meals in 2020 that you could post on Instagram and get lots of likes? Our daily bread. Proverbs 30 verse 8 says, Give me neither riches nor poverty. Feed me with the food that is needful needful for me. Give us this day our daily bread. This teaches us compassion. Us means not just me, but it means us. It means I'm not just concerned on stocking my own fridge. I'm willing to open the doors of my fridge to feed other people who are in need. Give us this day our daily bread. Our is a a possessive pronoun. 
our bread, the bread I own. And I own it because God gave it, and God gave it because I worked for it. The Bible teaches that if you don't work when you can work, you don't deserve to eat. Give us this day our daily bread. I don't need to worry if there's food in the fridge tomorrow. I know I have what I need for today. Tomorrow has enough of its own worries. This teaches me contentment. Your fridge may be full, but your heart can still be empty. Your closet might be packed, but your soul can still be naked. When you learn to pray with dependence on God for your basic needs, you can have contentment every day. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The next prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray is about forgiveness. We should pray every day that our sins should be forgiven. Did you know that in God's eyes, sin is a spiritual debt that you owe to him? Sin is a debt owed to God, but frankly, that we can't repay. Praying this way means asking in faith that by the grace of Jesus, our sins would be released and we would be restored to fellowship with God and with others. And the good news is that Jesus graciously paid the price of our debt with the cost of his own life. And a single one act of our disobedience puts us in spiritual debt before God. And we can never repay it. But Christ lived a perfectly obedient life. So not only does he pay your debt, but by faith in him, he credits you with his perfect righteousness, his perfect obedience. And the reward we gain from praying this way is more grace. To know that I'm no longer condemned in Christ. I'm no longer in the red. I'm in the black. And I'm right with God. God's grace is offered freely, but it comes at great cost. And it's easy to forget that. When we forget the cost of God's grace, we treat God's grace like a cheap doormat. As long as I say my brief prayer, I can rub my dirty feet off on God's grace, come into his presence as freely as I want, and go back into my sin as freely as I want and muddy my soul up again. But it's okay. The doormat's still waiting for me. Don't forget the cost of grace. It's offered freely, but it ain't cheap. When you confess your sin, do you agonize over your sin? The debt that cost Jesus his life was so agonizing to him that the night before he paid it with his life, he was in such torment in his soul that he sweat drops of blood. Do you agonize over your sin? When you confess your sin, do you feel the pain of your sin? The debt that cost Jesus his life turned the wrath of God on his only beloved son, even though we deserved it, not him. And he suffered the worst pain that any one human could inflict on another. Do you feel the pain of your sin? 
When you confess your sin, do you hate your sin? God poured his wrath on Christ because Christ bore our sins and God hates our sin. When you confess your sin, do you hate it? God's grace is offered freely. And it completely releases us of all of our sins so that there's no more condemnation. But it wasn't cheap. Remember the price that Christ paid and you'll be comforted with more of God's grace. And then finally, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. This final element of the Lord's Prayer is a natural follow-up to the previous one. Pray that your lifestyle would be holy. See, if we've been released from the debt of our sin, why would we return to it? Praying this way means asking God to help us to be led away from present temptations and to be delivered when we're threatened to be ensnared by the evil around us. Temptation is like a predator crouching in the grass ready to pounce on the prey as soon as it comes. But God is able to help us not to succumb to temptation but to resist it when we are constant in prayer. The, the evil world we live in that's governed by the evil one, Satan, has hidden traps like hunters' snares everywhere. And the bait of sin that's inside it might look desirable, but when you take it, the claws of the snare will hold you in and bleed out your spiritual life. But when we are constant in prayer, God is able to deliver us. Turn us away from temptation, deliver us away from evil, and lead us into holiness. And the reward of a holy life under the forgiveness of Christ is more peace. Peace. Because I know that I'm walking in harmony with God when I walk in holiness. I know I'm walking in harmony with God when I walk in holiness. And when I'm walking in harmony with God, I'm living in unity with the God who created me in the way that he designed me to live, and I have peace. But maybe you don't. A lot of us can really easily get stuck in this cycle that we're in for months or maybe even years, and maybe you're in it now. The cycle of sin, confess, repeat. Sin, confess, repeat. And there's no change. Why do we get stuck in this cycle? Well, I found from my own experience that we can get stuck in this cycle because we want to be released from the feeling of guilt of our sin while still wanting to enjoy the guilty pleasure of sin. We don't want the guilty feeling, but we still want the guilty pleasure. It looks like you've skipped a step in the prayer. You're still wrestling with God and not letting his will be done. Because we think that our happiness can only come when we follow our own way and our own will. But Christian, happiness is found in your holiness. 
Happiness is the bloom of the flower. Holiness is the bud. Your happiness grows out of your holiness. Submitting to God's will and choosing a holy life and turning away from sin doesn't mean submitting to a life of joyless duty and ritual. It means that you're seeking a greater happiness and a greater joy that comes from peace with God when you're walking in harmony with him because you're walking in holiness with him. So throw in the towel. Submit to his will. Seek his grace. Pray that he would lead you towards holiness and you will find peace. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God rewards genuine prayer. Are you devoted to it? I want to offer you some practical advice now. How could you actually put this into practice in your life? A lot of us are in different stages of our life and have different amounts of time each day. Some of us could have three hours a day to pray. Some of us have very little time. But I want to show you a pattern of how you could pray the Lord's Prayer if you had 20 minutes, if you had 40 minutes, or if you had 60 minutes. Before I tell you the pattern, though, I would encourage you that I think if you're going to be able to devote yourself to this, you're going to have to really change some of your daily habits. For instance, sleep. Some of you can't pray because your sleeping habits are you wouldn't allow your kids to even have the sleeping habits. Six hours of sleep from 11 to 5 will do you tremendously more good than six hours of sleep from 2 to 8. Go to bed. Go to bed and you'll wake up with energy. Go to bed and you'll wake up with energy and get your head in God's word first rather than getting your head in your phone. That's one of the major reasons that most of us can't pray. Pastor John Piper said, one of the best uses of social media will be able to show that on the day of judgment, prayerlessness was not for a lack of time. Most of you on your phone probably have us in the system preferences, like a report that shows you how much time you spend on your phone each day. Go look at that before you say that you don't have enough time to pray. All right, but let's say that you do. What could you do with 20 minutes? Well, I would say start by reading a short passage of scripture like one of the Psalms. Because remember, we start in prayer with honoring God's name. So look for the ways that the writer describes who God is and what God's done. And then, with that truth in mind, pray responsively to that passage following the seven principles of the Lord's Prayer. Offer worship to him for who he is, and then consider your own heart and the circumstances of your life and ask for his help. You're going to receive a handout on your way out today that summarizes all of the seven elements of prayer and then also actually shows you an example of how you could pray the Lord's Prayer or someone prayed the Lord's Prayer following uh, Psalm 34. Or let's say you had a little more time, you had 40 minutes. I would then, on top of praying the Lord's Prayer, spend 20 minutes looking outwardly and praying for the needs of others. I have in a journal 
um, at the back of my journal, seven lists representing each one of the days of the week. The day of the week is at the top, and then I have a list of about three to five people. And underneath, I write down what I know their requests are. And I spend time praying the principles of the Lord's Prayer for them. Some of you are on that list. All right, well, let's say you had 50, uh, 60 minutes. What I would do then is read another passage of Scripture, a longer passage of Scripture, and pray with prayerful meditation. What that means is read the passage once, then reread it again, but slowly. And pause at every single unit of thought and ask questions about the text. What does it say about God? What does it say about me? What does it say about our world? Is there a command for me to follow? And then internalize each of those units of thought and then pray it back to God personally. God rewards genuine prayer. Are you devoted to it? Prayer is simple to understand it's not easy to practice. It's hard work. If we're going to enjoy and receive the reward of genuine prayer, if we are going to be a spirit-empowered people, devoted to prayer, equipped to be bold witnesses in this world, to share the good news of Jesus Christ so that God welcomes more people into his kingdom, we need to put in the work of prayer. And the good news is that Jesus empathizes with our weaknesses. The night that Jesus was in such agony and sweat drops of blood in his prayer, he asked three of his disciples to pray with him. And three times he went back in to check on them. And each time he found them sleeping. And this is what he said. Could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus is both perplexed with our prayerlessness, but also empathetic in our weaknesses. You, you can't even pray for one hour uninhibited, without distraction, without falling asleep. But then he also empathizes. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If we are going to fight against the weakness of our flesh and actually put in the work of prayer, then we need to be both have a willing spirit and a watchful spirit. A willing spirit is eager to pray because they know the rewards intrinsic to prayer. I know that in prayer I receive joy and I receive hope and I receive wisdom and I receive my daily needs and contentment and I receive grace and I receive peace and walking in holiness. A willing spirit knows the reward and is eager to pray. A watchful spirit is disciplined to remove any and every distraction so I can have the greater reward. Are you willing? Then be watchful. And see how God transforms your life and allows you to be his ambassador to transform the lives of others. This is not easy. It's work. It's toil. It's struggle. But God rewards genuine prayer. Will our church be a church that is known as a house of prayer? Let's devote ourselves to practice what Christ taught us.
Let's pray together now. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for the privilege that we have in prayer through Christ. We speak to you, Father, who is enthroned in heaven. Jesus is our advocate. The Spirit is our helper who intercedes when we don't know what to pray. It's marvelous, God, that in prayer we are interacting with the fullness of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. It's amazing, Lord God, that you would allow us this access. Forgive us for thinking that prayer is just a way to, to, to placate you. It's just a way to, to appease you. Forgive us for neglecting the relational nearness and joy we have in worshiping you. Forgive us for thinking that we don't need prayer and we can carry along on our own. Thank you that in prayer we have the joy of offering worship to you. And we have the grace of asking you for your help in our daily needs. Make us a people devoted to this. In Jesus' name, amen.